Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. You're listening to Gresh and Poirier on WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Brian Baldinger coming up at 1125 here with Gresham Fourier. We'll be able to uh, talk about the playoffs. Uh, Also, he was at the uh, Hula Bowl, which is in Orlando. Uh, See if there's anybody uh, out of the Hula Bowl that is kind of rising up the ranks a little bit. Normally, the Hula Bowl is more of the third day guys unless they play their way up. Like, I think... There was a maybe a corner or a defensive back who played in the Hula Bowl and got like a senior bowl invite because they showed out and played pretty well. Don't they still have the Polynesian Bowl? I do believe they do, but I don't know how restricted it is to Polynesian just football the Polynesian players. players yeah, and because stuff I was like saying, can they feel the team? Um, where at the Hula Bowl or no the, at the Polynesian Bowl, right? I mean, there's that many like actually hang on, sure, but that are seniors that are coming out at the same I time. I, I went to a uh, polynesianbowl.com, didn't expect this on the bingo card today. Uh, committed players, yeah, believe it or not, there's a there's a lot of uh kids of uh Polynesian descent who are kind of all over good grief, like kind of uh, what schools we're we talking. All over the uh, all over the country here. Hold on, are they the all from BYU? Hold on, is the Polynesian Bowl for college players or for high school players? Now that I'm looking at this for college players. Man, I'm seeing. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing like an O lineman from Texas A and M and Georgia Tech and Hawaii, but it says here like uncommitted. So that's why I wonder about some of these kids look pretty young. But I, uh, I don't okay. know. If the, yeah, so you will just stick to the. Uh, to the to the bowls that we do know with okay, these. Uh, all right, all right. No, there's the and uh, is the East West Shrine Bowl happening? I have no idea. Apparently, uh, Troy Brown is going to be one of the Senior Bowl offensive coordinators. I read on the uh, interwebs. Today. Yeah, and he coached. He was the head coach last year at the Shrine Game. That's right. Not? Where yeah. Bill O'Brien and uh, Bill and everybody were out there in Vegas, and they That's were right. kind of roaming around. That's when That's Billy right. O like couldn't help himself and jumped in and. Was like telling quarterbacks how to throw it on this yeah. route and stuff, all that. They they couldn't help themselves. Um six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Um in now looking at Mayo's staff, what are the musts? Like what does Mayo need to as much as we've talked about the process and the organization and craft and all that stuff? Let's go in on the football here for a few minutes. Gerard Mayo is actively putting together his staff right now. You went to Patriots.com, and there's a lot of people who are on there that aren't. It's almost like they yeah. they they cleaned, they cleansed the template for those pages on the website to get ready to reload them. Yeah, if you go to coaches, the only one you see is Gerard Mayo, even though all those coaches are still, I guess, under contract, but they're all on vacation. So there's that. And then even if you go to, uh, you know, like organization, all you see is Jonathan, 
Um, Somebody texted in. It's Robert, Jonathan, and Matt, and Matt Groh are the only it. ones that are Those there. The only yeah. people you see. They, they completely cleansed that thing. So, Mayo's putting together his staff. In your opinion, what are the musts for him to be successful? I, I know I got I, one. Well, I said it before. I was I said it yesterday, and I'm going to keep saying it. He needs his own modern version of Ernie Adams, a guy that is going to guide him in the middle, like, the week of the game and during the game, more importantly, because I can easily see him losing games, like being in control of the game, you know, owning the time of possession, total yards, all that stuff, but losing the game because he does something stupid, irrational at the end of the game. And you look back and go, God, I played this wrong, right? Because I, he's not Brandon Staley committed to always going for it on fourth down. I don't know if he's Dan Campbell always willing to go for it on fourth down regardless of how important the situation is. Because sometimes I sit there and see some of these coaches. Like, you sometimes you have to be like, no, no, no. I get your mentality, but no, 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 not now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I got to stay true to myself. No, 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 not now. Just take it in. No, no, no. We got to do it. My guys, I got to show my guys that I believe in them. No, it's stupid. So I would honestly say the most – here's what I would want. Even if I was like a really good coach and I could develop people and like guys loved me and and I was really good at calling plays, whatever, I would want somebody in my ear going, "Dude, don't do that now. No, save it. Here, save it." And I gotta trust him, so I would find a savant. He needs an Ernie. He needs an Ernie. Adams. I, I'm just telling you that to me. I think coaches get crippled. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh they my get god, crippled. Mm-hmm. You know when when it's it's live and. You got 40 seconds, dude. Buddy Hackett couldn't call plays yeah. because he couldn't process everything fast yeah, enough and, and, but, and But there's been other players, other coaches that, that could process, that could process, get the, they had the play ready, you know, because it's all scripted. They just go, it's third and one. Okay, here's my option now. It's all, they, it's a guide for them. It's like a big menu. But how do I handle the situation? What's important? How is the game going? Like, you know, we've talked to all these coaches throughout the year, and Bill said, okay, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, come into my office. Okay, this team that we're playing against is really good at this, this, and this. We need to create a game plan to uh, adapt to that and deal with that. So we want to slow it down. Oh, we want to run the ball. Oh, we got to be really aggressive on fourth down. Like right? Charlie told us in the 03 look back. Yeah. Hey, and I so, take my cue from the head coach as to how I'm calling it. the game. So is that what he's going to do? Or is he going to say, hey, offensive court, do whatever you want? Okay, so that was my number one priority. You and I are kind of sharing a brain on this. It's just how you go about it. Because my thought is is that you need to have a former head coach as your offensive coordinator. A non-threatening former head coach that has no aspirations of being a head coach again. Like They don't want to be a head coach. They just want to work for you. They don't want to handle the (laughs) day-to-day stuff. They want to handle the defense. They want to bond with the defense. And that's it. Well, I don't know if that is maybe necessarily out there (laughs) because – uh, offensive coordinators are what some owners fall in love with, and that's who they turn around and go hire. So a lot of these guys who are offensive coordinators have those aspirations to either get back to being a head coach or wanting to be a head coach. The reason I want a former head coach as an offensive coordinator is a little bit of what you just ran down. Because on you know when you're calling timeouts at the end of a game on defense – I don't want to say it's easy, but it is way less complicated than it is on the offensive end. So I want somebody in the play-calling role 
who can think about some of that kind of stuff. Maybe be the one instead of some guy upstairs to be the one to say, hey, Gerard, we might want to call a timeout here or something of that ilk. Someone who has been in game management situations because I'm with you. That's the easiest way to lose games as a young or a rookie head coach in the NFL. So I kind of feel like we might be sort of saying the same thing, but even if Gerard Mayo had an Ernie Adams that he put upstairs, I still want a former head coach or someone with that kind of experience in the role as OC because those timeouts and managing the game feel almost more important on that side of the ball close and late than it does on the defensive end. And for me, I would have trust that Mayo would be able to process process defensive timeouts and game management. That was his side of the ball. No, I'm with you. And, and I was I remember a situation. So I was with the Redskins and Joe Gibbs was the head coach. And Al Saunders was the offensive coordinator. And, and uh, God, who was the defense coordinator from New Orleans? And uh, he got caught up in the whole. Jim Hazlitt? No, he was a defensive coordinator. Oh, Greg Williams. Oh, Greg, oh, Greg Williams. Oh, the Bounty wow. Gate guy. Yeah, Bounty Gate. Yeah, so it was those three guys. And I remember Joe Gibbs being yelled at by Al Saunders and Greg Williams. Both of them were very, like, both of them wanted to be head coaches. Both of them were very aggressive and, had, you know, really opinionated and big personalities. And they were really good at their job. And they had completely different philosophies. And he had this offensive coordinator yelling at him to take a timeout. And then Greg Williams telling him, yelling like a maniac, don't take a timeout. And I remember, honest to God, I, what? I, 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 got, I can't hear you. Like, he literally was being yelled at by two different people. My God. And I was like, this is insane. This is nuts. Nobody, he doesn't know what to do. These two guys are yelling at him, telling him what to do because he put a lot of trust and power with these guys, and they're both yelling at him because they both have their own agenda. One with the offense, one with the defense. Mm-hmm. It was it was literally nuts. And, and that's why I sit there and go, man, you better have one guy in charge of telling you what to do that you trust, and everybody else has got to shut the hell up because that's what a lot of coaches will do because sometimes you're, you're sharing the same signal and – and like, and they tell you to turn yours off or take take your headset off or whatever. Yeah, right. Hey, if you're sitting on the bench talking to the quarterback, pop your headset up. Yeah, or whatever. Just yeah. shut up. Pop your mic up. I can I can honestly say how many times I've seen head coaches tell everyone to shut up because they're all yelling at them. I don't think they have that problem. I don't think they've ever had that problem because there's always like one guy who's like, all right, I got a direct line. My phone is red. It goes straight to the head man, and he's going to be asking me what to do. What do you think of special teams coaches being the person who is kind of the guide for a head coach? And the reason I bring that up is is that I would like a former head coach as an offensive coordinator because that's you got to make those snapshots on the fly. You need somebody who can kind of think it along with Mayo or almost a half a step ahead of Mayo. But what do you make of the special teams uh, coordinator being the guy that helps manage clock timeouts things of that nature yeah. because their mindset as a coordinator is so different than everybody else now i'm a, okay 
didn't think you were asking. I had to think about it real quick. Well, without without thinking about it for a long period, no, your I would gut be against reaction it. is I would that's be fair. It. No, there are some coaches. Are you that for are. it? Uh, I, I feel like it's a. I don't. They hate, got too much going on. Well, I don't hate the idea of it because you could argue that every coordinator would have too much going on, which is maybe why you got to have that person sort of upstairs. But just in terms of if Mayo has somebody that he really likes on offense that doesn't have maybe that skill set in terms of managing the clock. Where else on the staff could there be a position other than, hey, you're just the guy who manages the clock? Is there a way for Mayo to be able to bake that into someone in the staff? That's all. Because special teams coordinators, I mean, I'm surprised more of them don't get head coaching opportunities, quite honestly, because they have to think the game very, very different. And and they interact with everybody. Like they work they, with they everybody. coach all fifty three yeah. in some way because even if a quarterback isn't the holder, the they're normally the backup holder, are they not? Or some yeah. like you, when you're working through your scenarios, you know your sort of depth chart, so you get to kind of cross pollinate with all these people. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. Hey, uh, the other part of this, and uh, Mark Daniels had a Twitter headline for uh, one of his columns at Mass Live, and this isn't picking on Daniels at all. The headline says titles, collaboration, jokes, showing players you care about them. In his first press conference as the new Patriots head coach, we quickly learned the life under Mayo will be very different than life under Bill Belichick. Are you, are you am I overreacting? Do you think, uh, hold on, are you sensing like me that right now, we are in the the objective of the organization is to show that we aren't who we were, that we're not Bill Belichick. It feels like, and a part of the reason why I react so viscerally to what is going on is that it feels like the point that is being made is exactly what Daniels put in the tweet. Hey, it's a new day. Yeah. And by God. Let's celebrate it. Like Ding that, dong, the witch is dead. But, Come on out. But Come on out. But. Doesn't like, isn't there a part of you that is like they're they're just gonna spite and malice their way into some issues because they're just so worried about settling family business or proving it can be done another way or whatever? Is the objective to put together the best team to win, or is the objective to put together the best team to win a different way so you can then peg the finger at somebody who likely will be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons in a couple of days? It feels like the latter right now, doesn't it? Mm. And, and maybe it subsides. I don't know. Again, it, this this it's the pendulum coaching swing. There's no way. Like, who would be a real like? Who is like a a modern day version of Bill? I I always know it's probably a stupid question because I don't think like I mean it, it exists. You maybe have to go back to some I don't know Parcells. Maybe I'm just trying to think of anybody um, from Coughlin. 2000. I mean, they were those are the. Coughlin, you Coughlin, Coward, Sean Payton, Coughlin, Coward, Dungy, Payton, Tomlin. Those would be, I would say, in terms of guys who've been around for a chunk no, of time. No, but a with guy that teams. was so just—I'll just use militant. Oh, I authoritarian, got it. Just my way or the highway. It's just like, dude, such old school mentality. Like Coughlin. Coughlin coached his way out of the league eventually. And then didn't they go to like Ben McAdoo or something or to like a, that? Just a random dude. And then and they, they went through their run of yeah. two coaches every couple of years. Yeah. It is. No. but And Mike Tomlin might be more like Bill Cower than we think in terms of 
old school fundamentals, things like that. Certain way you play the game. Da, da, well, da. I, but I would say that all that's Dan Campbell's that way. But it, it's how they work around the organization. Is is it like is it like uh, the devil wears Prada? Are people running when they see Bill down the run walking down the the hallway? Is it, everyone it, afraid of him? It kind of feels like there was a level of that there. Yeah. Absolutely, I, I believe that to be true. Uh, we will get to Brian Baldinger coming up. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Tell your smart speaker to play 93.7 WEEI. Gresham Fourier on WEEI. Let it breathe, Sean. I once drank in the parking lot of a Bradley's with these guys. Greg Hill, six to ten. <laughs> <laughs> I once Greg met him at uh, you know afterwards. Uh, we had a uh, uh, breakfast at Perkins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, went him in for a uh, Greg Hill Foundation event. Greg has been feeling good. The uh, snots are kind of going away, sounding like a normal Greg Hill once again. Uh, he's Ian, a trooper. He is uh, very much so. He's not like a shimy or Courtney who get a sniffle and then they're out mm-hmm. for a day. Actually, Courtney battles way tougher through that than shine, but. Another story for another time. Hey, uh, what do you make of the Ian Rappaport report as we wait for our guy Brian Baldinger? We're getting him all connected. Uh, what do you make of the uh, of the report from a rap sheet that Belichick's going in for a second interview this weekend with the Falcons? Yeah, I think it's, uh, for me, I think it's a pretty much done deal. I think that was interesting is that the report that Bill was you know, looking for uh, a talented uh, and underachieving team. <laughs> right? Isn't that I love like, these reports like this, know. you know. Well, that makes sense. That's it's what like, I was looking for. Hey, how can I make a difference? Give me a talented team that is underachieving because the coach can't motivate them or encourage them, right? And let me come in there, snap them right into shape. It's the, it's the perfect setup for him. If uh if some guys looked at ladies that way, you know? Hey, I want to. I want someone I could overachieve with. You know what I mean? Oh boy! No, 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 no. The guys the, would be like, uh, she's uh, just one of the guys, so to speak, or she's all that. Right? She just all. All I have to do is take the ponytail out. Oh my god! And take her glasses off. She's gorgeous. Yeah, there you go. She was underachieving. Yeah, yeah. It's like what? What? Of course, Bill would have an idea as to what he wants. Well, joining us now on the uh, Harbor One Hotline, so much to talk about with our guy, Odyssey NFL Insider Brian Baldinger. Baldy is brought to us by Old Spice because men have skin too and by Wise Snacks. No one does crunchy, salty, and cheesy better than Wise Snacks. Baldy, it's Gresham Fourier. Good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. I'm doing well, man. Good to be with you. And, uh, well, let's start with uh, last time we talked, you were headed down to the uh, Hula Bowl in Orlando. Uh, I'm curious because, as you know now, Bill is out of the building. There's change in Foxborough. The draft has uh, never been more important in some ways here in New England. I'm just curious as to, you know, some of the talent you uh, maybe saw that sort of just stood out to your trained eye. Uh, they had, uh, you, know, it's, it's, you know, the Hula Bowl isn't the Senior Bowl. Right. But um, I think there's probably 
six or eight players from the Hula Bowl that will be drafted. There's some linemen that look pretty promising. Uh, a couple quarterbacks that might get drafted late, you know, and uh, and I think there's some tight ends that looked uh, looked promising that can double up as an F back, a full back, uh, H back. I mean, they look like because of the style of offenses that they ran, uh, they look like they have uh, some multiple position value to them. So I mean, there's no first round picks or anything like that there, but it was it was 250 scouts that were there. I saw the general manager of the Steelers. I mean, it was well represented. So kids got a good look. Yeah, so back to like the Patriots and uh, Gerard Mayo. Um, I'm wondering if, uh, uh, as for a first year head coach, what do you think? Like a couple of the most important hires would be for him. Like, what would he? What would well, be most important for him? It sounds like you know he's going to hire. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to call plays. You know, from the defensive side, so he needs coordinators. You know, you need your your play caller. What's the offense going to be? What's the design? Is it something from the Shanahan tree or? McVay tree or, you know, where, where's it coming from and what's the style of offense that you want? That's, that's his imprint. Uh, what's the style of defense that, that he wants and who's going to uh, resurrect that and direct that. And then special teams wise, which they've always been pretty good. Um, what are they going to do? I mean, those are the three most important hires. And then I would say strength and conditioning is always important. Um, you know, the guy's got to develop physically. And so I think that's always a big part of any hire. Yeah, so, yeah, because the, the one thing I had mentioned, and, and I'm, I thought you may have, uh, you were going to say it, because I feel like the, obviously the offensive coordinator, that is those defensive coordinators, that's obvious. Special teams, of course, they just have to feel the role. Uh, most people don't consider uh, the weight staff, the strength and conditioning staff important, but they, it obviously is one of the cornerstones of any organization. But what about like a, a brainiac type guy? What about like a, hey, listen, I won't let you make this mistake guy, like game management guy. I don't even know if they have a title for that, right? Because they would, wouldn't like, I feel like the, the toughest thing for him that he can't prepare for is in-game situational management. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're like, I, I don't know how, um, you know, how up the food chain that is to hire somebody like that. But generally people hire some young kids that have that type of awareness and, you know, whether it's analytics or down distance, uh, what's the what's the command chain for instant replay? I mean, all those kind of things. Um, generally, uh, you fill those those positions in. I would I would I don't want to neglect either the offensive line coach. It seems like since Dante Scarnecchia uh, left the first time, they fell apart. Then when he left the second time, it seemed like they fell apart. So uh, find yourself a good offensive line coach that. Uh, can develop players and put a system in place where your quarterback is going to get protected. Brian Baldinger, Odyssey NFL Insider, here with Gresh and Fourier. Insider calls brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend Body Wash, providing exfoliation plus 24-7 miniaturization because men have skin too. Uh, Baldy, as, uh, as you look at sort of what has kind of gone on in the playoffs here, Dallas with a very disappointing one and done. Philadelphia just completely collapsed. Looks like Mike McCarthy's going to stay. Do you have an idea or a feel as to maybe what they should do in Philadelphia? And because guys like Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel are out there, is it something that, you know, Philly should really consider here, given the way their roster is at this point? Well, they uh, they lost Monday night, and it's Thursday morning, and nothing has been said outside of some players, you know, basically uh, coming to the rescue of Nick Sirianni. 
Uh, but it seems like a, an awful long time has gone on uh, between that loss and how ugly it was and the collapse that we all witnessed over the last six weeks and Thursday morning here. So uh, it seems like uh, maybe it's, you know, I mean, I'm sure like there, there's some back channels here where maybe they're talking to Belichick and they don't want Nick to know. I mean, I, I don't really know these things, but I don't know who would. I mean, it's a pretty airtight uh, facility at Novacare in Philadelphia. But, you know, you might want to kind of feel it out. I know there's a great deal of respect um, with Mr. Laurie and Bill Belichick. Uh, they have scrimmaged each other when Chip Kelly was the coach here. They always scrimmaged each other up there and, and down here in Philadelphia. Uh, they were always around Mr. Kraft and Mr. Laurie kind of mingling a little bit. There's always been a great deal of respect. So um, I would think that would – and, you know, there's certain players that have uh, kind of texted me said he thinks everybody's going to get blown out. But that hasn't happened, so I don't know. Hey, do you, are you surprised that Mike McCarthy's staying in Dallas? A little bit, a little bit. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess regular season wins is really important to uh, to Jerry Jones. I mean, it seems like, you know, that's uh, – because, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of guys, a lot of quarterbacks and coaches can win a lot of regular season games. They they go to Kaput in the playoffs. And so uh, I played in Dallas. I know how quarterbacks get measured there. You either win championships or you're just uh, in a big pile of guys on the other side that were good players and were the star and probably, uh, you know, were really good in the community and good guys after they get done playing, uh, like some of them that are on TV now. But uh, you know, if you want to win championships, that's like a different medal, and you've got to prove that in the playoffs. And Dak hasn't done that, and the team hasn't done it. Yeah, Baldy, that's why I wonder um, if if the issue is the roster. You know, like uh, uh, Jason Garrett went as far as he could, then they make the move here, and, you know, Kellen Moore is out, and, and Mike McCarthy end up, in theory, getting more power because he's the guy now uh, calling the plays. And I don't know, like, is that roster as good as we think it is to where you just change the coach? Or do we now start to look at certain parts of the roster and be like, okay, maybe that's where the change needs to happen now in Dallas? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I mean, I thought Green Bay just executed at a high level. I mean, they threw some trap defenses out there. Dak threw it right into them. They set the cheese, and he took it. You know, next thing you know, Darnell Savage is, you know, going 59 yards for a touchdown or 64, whatever it was. Um, you know, that's, that's coaching, that's uh, game planning uh, at the highest level. Uh, and then the quarterback was sensational on the other side. That's what you expect that to be, what Jordan Love was. I mean, throwing off his back foot and putting the ball exactly where it has to be placed and uh, route combinations that are attacking the defense. Uh, and then, you know, the ability to run the ball the way Green Bay is running the ball in the, with the diversity of how they do it, with the tight end play, it looks different than what Dallas does. Uh, is Matt LaFleur a better coach? I don't know, but they were much better prepared and had a much better game plan than the Cowboys did. And that comes down to coaching. So we're talking to Brian Baldinger, um, Odyssey NFL insider. Um, and, uh, Baldy, I'm, I'm curious, like, how well do you know Arthur Blank, owner of the Atlanta Falcons? Pretty well. Pretty well? I know Arthur's what? pretty good. Yeah, I've had, a, I've had some end-of-the-season conversations with and mid-season conversations about his coaches in the past. Do, would you would you call him a pushover? No, no, uh, no, uh, no. You don't want to be on the bar, you don't want to be on the wrong side of Arthur Blank. Yeah, no. so I'm curious. And I'm curious how, how that relationship. It seems like. And would you label the Atlanta Falcons team right now as we sit as a um, a talented team that is underachieving? Yes, I would label it that. 
uh, would say that. Now they have a they have quarterback issues for sure, and um, you know and that's why they got bounced out of the playoffs. They they were in a position to to win the division, and then they collapsed down the stretch with what they had at that position. So I mean they have to upgrade that in, a, in the worst way, but the roster around that is pretty good. Um, is can they win a Super Bowl? I don't know, but they the, the roster is good enough to get. To, the town's good enough there to you know to get to the playoffs for sure. Do you think they can win sixteen games in two years? <laughs> yeah, I do think they can do that. Uh, well, Baldy, I wonder how much having a guy like Rich McKay in the building is sort of you know what gives Belichick maybe some ease in walking into that situation because when Arthur Blank announced, yeah, we're going to do it, and uh, yeah, you know. Terry Fontenot will be a part of the search, almost like threw that in there, like, yep, and when the new guy comes in, he'll just shove him right out the door. Like, I, I wonder how much a guy like Rich McKay in this situation might kind of be some sort of secret sauce in either connecting Bill and Arthur Blank or just having a, a vested veteran like that in the building in a guy like uh, McKay, if that kind of pushes it over the top for a guy like Belichick. Well, I would say Rich McKay was highly responsible for bringing in, you know, former Patriot personnel people like Dimitrov and Scott Pioli. And so there's certainly a pipeline there that exists that's real. Uh, now, you could argue the job that they did, they did get to a Super Bowl uh, with those guys there. So, you know, it's not like they haven't had success. But, you know, Rich McKay is a survivor. He's He's been there. I mean, I used to do the Falcon preseason games 20 years ago, and Rich McKay was, you know, he was a GM back then. And so he's 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 got a pretty pretty big role with that organization, and he carries some pretty big weight, you know, as an intermediary with him and and Mr. Blank. Interesting. Uh, we've got Kansas City going to Buffalo this weekend. Is this a big moment in the career of Patrick Mahomes in your mind, Brian Baldinger? First road playoff game, and it's in Buffalo, and there's no other way to say it. It's going to be cold as balls up there. Yeah, well, it's not going to be as cold as what Pat Mahomes was throwing through the other night, you know, against the Dolphins. So uh, he just proved that uh, there is no condition that's going to knock Patrick Mahomes off his game. He's the best player in the league. He's been the best player in the league. Whether he wins or loses, um, you know, he's he's going to be right back where he's at right now next year. It's just going to happen. So, I mean, he's just a, a force of nature. And, um, I mean, it's, I think we all wanted to see this. I was – saying literally two weeks ago that I hope Miami um, – I hope Buffalo could go down and beat Miami Week 18 just so that Josh Allen's in the playoffs. I mean, we have to kind of sit back and watch this thing. It's just it's just that entertaining, these two players. We've seen tremendous playoff games, regular season games. I think this – I think they've played against each other seven times now. And it's always either – it always seems like it's a three-point game. And it comes down to, uh, you know, nail-biting time in the fourth quarter. So we, we get it. I think we just, just should enjoy it. But, you know, look, Patrick Mahomes going on the road. I mean, eventually, I think you think you're not going to play a whole career and just play home playoff games. So I don't think this is – I don't think it phases him at all. I mean, his preparation, focus, what he is, who he is, I don't think it's going to change because they're up in Orchard Park. Great stuff, Baldy. We appreciate you. Thanks a bunch. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, guys. Take care now. There See goes uh, Brian Baldinger, and he was brought to us by – uh, Old Spice, because men have skin, too. They uh, they sponsor the uh, insider calls here on Gresham Fourier. So um, I, I don't know why I'm so hyper-focused on the second interview with uh, with Arthur Blank, uh, you know, and Bill Belichick. 
um, and the whole uh, uh, I want a uh, talented team that is underachieving. Well, that's them. Seven and nine. It's eight wins. It's like you're almost there. You're losing games that you shouldn't. In a winnable division. In too. a winner. Oh, my God. You, 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 you're you one game below 500, and you still win the division. So I'm wondering, like, what 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 is the deal now? Like, I feel like now you're just getting down to brass tacks, right? You're just really getting down to length of contract, money, incentives, uh, power structure, right? Because mm-hmm. if Arthur Blank is not a pushover, because I said earlier, oh that, yeah, hey, listen, Bill needs a pusher. Bill needs somebody that he can push around and he can avoid and he can keep things from, just like he did with Kraft. Is Arthur Blank going to be like, no, 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 no? This is what because I feel like Arthur Blank needs to almost like spell it out. Uh, well, yeah, he has a general manager under employee right now, and Terry Fontenot is not going to walk in and be like, "Hey, boss, we should pick my guy, not this guy." So I think he's a dead man walking. And yeah, it feels like this is at the Belichick, Rich McKay, um, Arthur Blank level of Can things. You- hey, quickly, oh, I got some from Josina Anderson. Okay, here. big old tweet that said. Uh, Barring a snag in negotiations or a future development, I'm expecting Bill Belichick to become the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. His previous rapport with Falcon CEO Rich McKay creates comfort he can't mimic in any other building with a current vacancy. Owner Arthur Blank is very skilled at being convincing and selling the benefits of coming to Atlanta, as I learned from Calais Campbell. Again, this is Josina Anderson. The GM dynamic in Atlanta is presumably more palatable for Bill in Flowery Branch than it would be in Philly. And as mentioned, both sides have been talking about this uh, for a while or through for a while. Thus, my previous reports, I expect Belichick to reunite with some members of his former staffs whenever he makes it official. Your thoughts on that? Oh, well, I mean, well, I mean, this is what we all expected. This is this is the team. And even before the whole, like, hey, talented but underachieving, that's the team. That's the division. That's the location. That's the owner. I think they have so many things in play. An owner that is uh, 82 years old, that is tired of losing. And I don't even want, I don't even care about the whole awkwardness that exists with the whole 28 to 3 debacle that was the Super Bowl. Like, nobody cares about that. The fans will probably be happy and they'll believe that it's never going to happen again. Mm-hmm. So, Bill. Right when he walks into the door, is a, that's a seven-win team. My question always is how many wins above replacement than the other coach, which was Arthur Smith. So he won seven games. How many would you give him? Uh, two walk, two, I would say probably two right now until I know what the plan is at QB. I mean, you drop, say, Kirk Cousins in there because the owner feels pretty motivated to try to win. You might be talking about an 11-win team when it's all said. Yeah, I was going to say three to four. Yeah. Three to four, you're either a 10, 11-win team. And again, in that division, I don't see them getting much better. And I bet you he brings McDaniels, Abs- not Bill O'Brien. I, I believe that he brings McDaniels, Matt Patricia, Joe, Joe Judge. Judge. It is a plug and play. You just go, guys, go do it. You know, he he's got to do that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have time to mentor and coach and, and protocol and this. Everyone just they all get their office and they all go to work. That's it. I wouldn't be surprised if Pioli went ends up going back there. Now you know what? Now that's interesting as to you know who would end up uh, sliding into that role and when they do it. Yeah, because a lot of times when these GMs are about to get dumped. They're on through the draft, but basically their power's taken away. 
Like you're now essentially a director of player personnel, organize things as you see it. We'll take a look at it as well, but ultimately we're not going to kind of listen to you. Wow. What a hell of a first half of Gresham Fourier. And that includes the lunchtime parlay, which comes your way next. If you missed any of our Patriots Monday and Friday interviews, go back and listen on the podcast anytime. Just subscribe to Gresham Fourier on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts. Now, more of Gresham Fourier on WEEI. Time for the lunchtime parlay presented by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook in the official sportsbook of WEEI. Don't forget, you can watch us do this show. Just yard over there? Oh, I, I'm Golly. sorry about that. Excuse Until me. The red light man, oh, man. It wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, you don't know. Bill being the next head coach. <laughs> you get your snorts in there. Can we please, when it does happen, compare and contrast the, the two uh, uh, press conferences of Bill Belichick and Gerard Mayo? Oh, my God. Is Bill going to give it? Is Bill going to like let his guard down and just be human for at least 10 minutes? Probably not. Uh, he'll make a funny about 28 to 3 at the beginning of the press conference. He yeah. almost has to. Yeah, let's get this out of the way right now. Yeah. I get it. I'm here to make sure that never happens again. You're make welcome. Something like that. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And the room will overlap. Just like uh, yesterday, everybody was just, I mean, like, the media was like a puppy with two Peters. Oh, they said good question. Oh, they said my name. Yeah. It was like, oh, my God. Look Everybody's players here. Oh, man. By the way, Andy Hart was at that press conference. We'll find out exactly who was there in a half hour when he joins us at uh, 1220, 1225, right around there. Uh, last night's parlay was not good. Uh, Tatum did not get a block. In part because they blew San Antonio out. They were up so much. We didn't even touch on the Celtics game, but they started resting everybody it. at halftime. It wasn't it, The game was not even worth watching. Uh, I watched the first half, and then it was, what, 70 to 45, and it was like, well, that's it. I'll tell you what, though. Wembenyama's getting better. You can see settling in more and more, getting more consistent. That guy, he is something. But a step-back three that was so impressive when Al Horford was on him. Step-back three, and it was actually pretty smooth. Yeah. And I was like, if you're Al Horford, how do you even contest this? And for seven foot four, like, Wemby is not very clunky at all. You no. would figure somebody that's like, you know, knees and elbows and all that. Yeah, like, he would be, like, awkward in a way, but no, he's pretty smooth. Yeah. Like a like a baby giraffe on ice. Yeah. Just no. like, rrr, rrr, rrr. Nope. There's none of that with this guy. It's crazy. Uh, Timberwolves did not cover against the Pistons. Uh, Miami lost to Toronto, and uh, the Hawks barely beat Orlando. I mean, we got away from uh, the Golden Sombrero just by two points last night. So uh, there goes 10 more bucks. We are up $18.25 on the year. That's important to note because we hit one the other day. Let's get another one. I'll start. Uh, I got to tell you, late night West Coast college basketball, the uh, dying remnants of the Pac-12. Uh, I like he. Stanford minus three against Washington State. The money that has been coming in should have resulted in a line shift. It has not. It's pretty much stayed at three, three and a half with Stanford. So the betting markets are kind of telling us that uh, the smarts are on Stanford. I will follow them and be willing to be wrong. So give me the uh, Cardinal against Washington State. Washington. Oh, yeah. You got to tell you guys say in West yeah. Pennsylvania. Washington. Yeah. It's a little Washington. Billy 
Lanny. Good morning, friend. How are you? How are you, buddy? Doing all right. What's a good word? Yeah, same old, same old. All right. What kind of uh, what kind of whatnot do you have for us today? All right. For my whatnot, I'm going to the <laughs> Bruins game. They host the Avalanche tonight. Give me an anytime goal from Jake DeBrusque. How about that? Why not? He scored, I think it's the last time he scored was on the ninth. So a few games in between goals. So hopefully he gets one tonight. There we go. We'll do it in the, uh, I had a theory, but I'm going to let it go because it was a little too risque and I don't know how to clean it up. Chicken Nick, what do you have? Well, Tyrese Halliburton might be back for the Pacers tonight, and the Pacers are in Sacramento to play the Kings. I'm not going with the Kings this time, Gresh. What? I am going oppo because the Pacers are road dog because they are plus 7.5 tonight. That feels really big for two teams that don't play defense and score a million points. So give me the Pacers plus 7.5 tonight. Oh, wow. Oh, I like it. You sound so professional. No, but like an anti-Kings pick. That hasn't happened in this time slot in like two years, for God's sakes, between Turp and Nick. They're all over the uh, Kings. And then finally, your Super Bowl champion, Christian Fourier. All right, Oklahoma City at Utah. So Oklahoma City, uh, third uh, road game in four nights. Not really sure. Will they play everybody? Will some guys get a break? And the thing with Utah, which is kind of interesting. So they were supposed to have a back-to-back, but one of the Pacers' coach died. Like they had one of their it was assistant State coach. coaches. Yeah, yeah, the Golden State, State coaches Warrior, died. Yeah. So they postponed that game. So Utah actually got an extra night off. Correct. So I'm thinking, okay, that seems like maybe a small advantage. So I'm going to go Utah plus three and a half. Uh, I don't hate that because you're right. The emotion of the you know that that Golden State game. A lot of people were like, wait a minute, what's going on there? Because it like, went off the board on the betting markets. Yep. And then I know there was the report of the coach had a medical incident. And then it was, oh, he died. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, wait a minute. That level jumped. Because it sounded like it happened in a restaurant might have been okay. And, yeah, Golden State, I mean, what a year for Golden State with all the stuff that's going on with them. And now you throw in this. So, Foyer's on Utah plus three and a half. Chicken Nick's on the Pacers plus seven and a half. I like Stanford minus three against Washington State. And Billy is on a Jake DeBrusque anytime goal. Big one today, folks. Your $10 could win you $246.24. We'll get that out on social media. Gresh Fourier, W-E-E-I on Twitter or X. Gresh and Fourier, spell the A-N-D in between our last names. You're going to get us on the gram. Um... We got into the staff for Gerard Mayo. You mentioned that Mayo didn't break your rule yesterday. Yeah. But I wonder about those Steve Burton comments again on the draft. Okay. We'll get to that next. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.